We've had an incredible week already. This is just a celebration of what God's done all week long. Um, just yesterday, we had 100 of our, our closest friends celebrating Friendsgiving yesterday as a church. And the food was on point. Um, it was incredible. We had all the things, the collard greens, the, the chicken, and the ribs, and the barbecue sauce, and the banana pudding that's to die for. Tara Lynn prepared an incredible meal for us. She's on our dream team and did an incredible job. And um, Man, that was such a, we had such a good time. We played kickball together. We played a little bit of everything from football together. And man, I, I played so hard yesterday. I played three innings of kickball. I did not know that three innings of kickball would make you tired. <laughs> Maybe it's just my age, you know what I'm saying? It had me knocked out on the flow. That's how tired I was. And we had an incredible time yesterday. We're glad you came. If you missed it, there's always next year. Come on, somebody. The food will be there next year. And then uh, this week, we were able to deliver, because of your generosity, because of the generosity of this house, we were able to deliver 50 uh, Thanksgiving meals to people in our community who, who need them. We get, so, um, we get so into our life that we forget there's people all around us who need. And so we were able to deliver some turkeys and some Thanksgiving bags. You guys brought those. So give yourself a round of applause. You guys built those out. We're so thankful for you. And there's families in our city that wouldn't have Thanksgiving, but there's a church in the city who loves them. There's a church in the city who cares for them. And we care for them. We love them because Jesus first loved us. The Bible tells us we love because he first loved us. And so thank you for partnering with us. We're glad that you were, you were selfless enough to pack some of those meals and help us get those delivered. A team of people delivered those. And we, we're, it was an incredible time. And this is a generous church. One of the things you need, if you're a business with the very first time, you know, one of the things about our church, we have a vision to reach this city for Christ. We have a vision to reach the city for Christ. And in modern day language for you, we believe there should be more people in church than people in Walmart on Sunday morning. Come on, somebody. Like, that's, plus, that's when all the weirdos go. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're here, though, so you're not one of those people. But some unique people go shopping in the, in the, in the 10 a.m. range. I, I've ever, if you've ever been shopping before, maybe you're like, maybe that's when I go shopping. I'm not judging you. I'm judging them. You're here. But there's people that shop at 10 a.m. That's an eclectic kind of group at 10 a.m. You know, it's the people who don't want to be around too many people at nighttime, but they don't want to be around too many people in the morning time. And let's be honest, I like to go at 10 a.m. You know what I'm saying? Like, those are my people. I like to go. I like to people watch. So 10 a.m. is great. But we just believe that God's called us to reach this entire city. We don't want to reach part of the city. You, you've played sports before. You, if you have a football team, you want your football team to win, right? Like, and we believe this, that we have the greatest product in all the world. It's Jesus Christ, the greatest Savior in the world, the greatest name above all names. It makes us want to shout hallelujah. We believe that because we have Jesus, we want, to go, we want to make sure the whole world knows. We don't want to sleep until the whole world knows, this city knows, that there's a God who loves them. There's a God who has a plan for life. We want them to know that. And so we go hard on that. We want to make sure everybody knows that we have a vision to reach this city for Christ. But how many of you guys know here today that it takes generosity, it takes generosity to determine the speed of the vision. It takes generosity to determine the speed of the vision. So the speed of our, the speed of our vision, the more we're going to reach, the more impacts that we're going to do, the more incredible things that we're going to do, the more turkeys we're going to give away, the more batteries we're going to give to homeless people, the more sticks of deodorant. We packaged 12,000 meals last year. We were able to give away 20% of what came in this house. We're out of the 100% that came in, 20% went out. So we believe in tithing at our church, but this year we were able to double tithe in this church to give out to, to help. I go places all throughout the city and people say, you're from Hope Church, thank you. Your church came and you guys give hamburgers and hot dogs in my community. In a community where this past summer two people were murdered, our people went in there this past summer and delivered meals in that community. And that's, that, that communicates to people. I mean, this church, they love 
They love the city. They love the city. We were able to do free car washes, free gasoline. Like, we want to make sure the city knows that there's a God who loves them. There's a God who has a plan for life. We want them to know that. Your generosity, our generosity, it determines the speed of the vision. We're going to reach a lot more people next year because we're going to give more. The more people, the more generosity. The more generosity, the further the vision the further the vision can go. We're always looking for places to help more people know about who Jesus is. It takes generosity to determine the speed of the vision. The greater we give, the, greater, the further we reach. The least amount that we give, the, the, the vision can't go as far. So next year, we want to do even more next year. And it all goes upon our, it all rides on our, on our generosity, what we're going to do. Every single year, we do a thing called a heart for the house offering. We do a heart for the house offering. These envelopes for when you walk out today. And, and um, we love the heart for the house offering because the heart for the house offering allows us to see where our heart is for this house. And if our heart is big for this house, this house can reach a lot more people. We can serve a lot more people. We can help a lot more people. We've joined the board on the Habitat for Humanity this year because next year we want to help them build some homes. We believe that people should have a place to lay down their home. Next year, I want uh, this church, I want us to build some beds for, for people in our city who sleep on the floor. And we're gonna build. We're gonna build some beds. We're gonna. There's an organization called Sleep in Heavenly Peace, and we're gonna build some beds for them. We're gonna put our hands on these beds, and we're gonna build some beds. It all happens out of our, our heart for the house, out of, out of our heart for the house offering. Last year, we packaged twelve thousand meals for the community for people in our city who don't have food. We want to package over twenty four thousand next year. We want to do more next year than we do this year because we believe in a God of more. Come on, church. The Bible says God can do immeasurably more than you can ask or think. And since our church has been born. We've always done more every single year. So we're really excited about the Heart for the House offering. Grab an envelope when you'll leave today and begin to pray what God will allow you to do in this offering. So for, for Dinah, I grabbed this offering last night um, from the church. I took it home. And I already wrote down the number that I gave last year. I wrote that number down there because I'm going to pray and believe that I can do that number next year. But I believe in God more, so I'm actually believing that God's going to allow us to do even more. I remember the first year we did the Heart for the, Heart for the House offering, we brought in $9,000. It was awesome. Like, man, that was so awesome. Good job. Awesome. And that was incredible. But the next year we brought in $24,000. And I was super excited about that because we were able to do more, right? Like, the more you bring in, the more that we can go out and do. And so, I mean, I was super excited about $24,000. And I called up our CPA and our overseers. I'm like, hey, I don't, I'm just trying to, I'm praying through. And, you know, what do you think about giving next year? I met with our men, our trustees. I'm like, we're going to do more next year. So last year... We had a goal of $50,000, and I was so afraid to tell you guys about the goal. I was like, this year we're going to give away <clears throat> 50. My voice was cracking if you remember last year. Like, I just didn't have the confidence to give them say, we're going to bring $50,000 in, and we're going to give it away, and we're going to change the world. In my mind, I was saying that, but on the outside, my voice was cracking, you know. Have you ever been there before? My son preached at a school this week. He said, I'm preaching a sermon this week. I'm preaching a sermon. We got there, and he preached, and all he did was read the scripture. <laughs> so I go, hey, bro. One preacher to another. What happened? He goes, he, I said, why didn't you explain the verses? He said, dude. He didn't call me dude. He goes, dad, I had a whole sermon written down, but I got afraid. <laughs> he's like, I just read it, packed it up, mic drop, I'm out of here. You know, he's like, God's word will do the rest. Like his word won't return void. We'll just read the word and let it sink in and God will do what he can do. You know, like it's not, you know, he's like, it's not me that changes the world. It's God's word that changes the world. That's all they needed. <laughs> I'm like, the problem is we don't know what any of those words were. You know, he got there and read it. And so last year, we, we, our, our prayer was that we'd bring in $50,000 last year. And I got there and said, we're going to bring in $50,000. Let's pray and believe. And we didn't bring in $50,000 last year. We brought in $68,000 last year. That's what you guys did. And that's awesome. Yeah, you can clap for that. And that's awesome. Some of you guys are like, yo, I'm not clapping because he's about to ask us to give for this year. I ain't clapping. 
He's like, good, good job. Good job, Wes. Good for you. Keep on going. You're going to get the blessings for you, bro. And it was incredible. We, it was an incredible, incredible time. And I've just been praying and believing. I was telling our men. And, you know, I'm always like, oh, should I give the big number or the small number? And I just believe that God, in, in two weeks, December the 8th, we're going to take, we're, we're praying and believing that God's going to bring in $75,000 on one Sunday. And the reason why, if you're new here, don't give to it. You don't have to give to it. But if you're, if you're like, hey, this is my home, this allows us to change the world. And uh, we're believing that. So last year, our, our goal this year is to bring in $75,000. We believe in tithing. So we like to tithe at our church. But this year, this past year, we, we tithe double, 20% out. We went 20% out. And you're probably thinking, well, that's a lot of money. You could do a lot of things in-house. And we're just, God didn't call us to draw a crowd. He's called us to build a church and reach a city. And so if we keep it, we can't reach people. And God's called us. So we're saving, and we have a savings account. And we believe we, we, believe we ought to live on some, and we ought to save some. And we believe we ought to give some. So last year, you, you, last year, we gave away. Out of this house, we wrote checks to nonprofit organizations, locally, nationally, globally. We started churches. We did all kinds of incredible things. And last year, you, we gave away this church. You guys gave away $80,000 last year. $80,000. That's awesome. Because if you do the math, you're like, well, we could have a church building for that. Like, that would be, be incredible. We could pay rent and we could, you know, do all these things. But we, God's, God didn't call us to build a building. He called us to build people. And it takes money to build people. And so we're praying and believing um, that in, in, three, in, in three weeks, December 8th, that we're going to have a $75,000 offering. We're already believing for that next, we're already believing for that. And we believe God's going to do something incredible. And if you're one of those people, you're like, well, that's why I don't go to church because you guys always want money. God doesn't need your money. You're like, if that gets you fidgety, don't be fidgety. Come and not, you can come be here. We'll feed you. We'll pour into you. We love you. We'll pour into you. And you don't have to give here. But if you give here, you're going to get a blessing. And if you give here today, you can help us reach a lot of people and you can also serve. And so all of us in here today, we have three things. You have time. And you have talent and you have treasure. And the more that you give God, the more he can bless you. It's, it's how he works. It's just how he works. That's what I've seen in my life. Last year, someone gave me a car in 2018. And we gave that car away. And then somebody gave me another car. And we got another car that we're ready to give away. And, and we're praying and believing that God's going to put someone in our heart to give that car too. And we just believe that God wants to bless you. And he wants to bless me. But we're not keeping it here. We want to give it around the world. And so we have a partner that we partner with, World Hope. And we've, we've, um, you guys that give here at our church, you guys tithe here every week. You give here every week at our church. They came in a few weeks ago, and you guys sponsored over 30 of the kids that go to school in Nairobi, Kenya. You guys remember that. You guys did a great job with that. And some of you guys are giving above and beyond. And uh, Pastor Brian wanted to thank you guys this morning. Greetings, all of you from Hope Winter Garden. I want to send a special shout-out to Wes and Diana and your entire family. You guys are simply awesome. I have some good news. This year, 1,000 people and even plus gave their lives to Jesus Christ. It's because we have such a wonderful facility with World Hope and through your partnership. If you look on my side, there are young guys playing sports and through that they get to hear the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We have an awesome church. Guys are coming. We have a children's church. In fact, there's a service just going on right now. We have a sports facility. All that sums up together to help us preach the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to thousands of kids. And through your partnership, we've been able to do that, and we hope that we'll be able to do that even more. So on behalf of Pastor Brian, myself, my family, and the entire Hope Church Lovington community, and the entire World Hope International Kenya, I want to say Asante Sana for your love and your support. Thank you. Awesome. Come on, let's put our hands together. I'm so excited. Hey, when you give, we're able to partner with people that have seen a thousand people give their life to Christ in another country. We're so thankful that we get to do that. This is a church. I always told them when we launched a church, I want to be a church that never sleeps. 
And what that means is we have to have partners all around the world that are doing work and putting work in while we're here. So because of your generosity, a thousand lives have been changed that would never been changed if it wasn't for your generosity. People are eating food in our, country, in our, in our city who don't, have, who, have, who don't have food. It's because of your generosity. We say this every week, your generosity is making a difference. If I can today, you guys have done an incredible job. I'd like to illustrate that for you in the scripture today. In 1 Kings chapter 19, the Bible says um, in verse 19, 1 Kings 19 and verse 19, there's a story about a man named Elijah and Elisha. Now what you need to know about Elijah is Elijah was a major player for the kingdom of God. I mean, Elijah was killing it. He, he, if you read the Bible, he performed eight miracles. That was eight times where God used him to do something incredible. The problem is the man's getting old. He's getting towards the end of his life and he needs to find a new guy to put that work in with them. And if you're here today, some of you guys in here today, you're, you're an Elijah in here today. You have the opportunity to pour into a Elisha. So it's really tricky today, but J comes before S. So, you know, Elijah came before Elisha. So Elijah is out there. I mean, he, this Elijah, he tells the people, hey, there's going to be no more rain for three years. God told me to tell you guys that for three years. Just so you know, he's not a very popular guy in the community. So he goes out for a run. Like he's, he's running for his life. He's totally scared. He's running for his life. And he comes back and goes, all right, guys, I'm going to pray that rain comes down. And he battles a battle. It's called the Battle of Mount Carmel. It's Elijah and the other guys. They're praying. They're false gods. And he's praying to the one true God. He lets them go first. And no rain comes down. And then he prays. And then God sends rain down from, from heaven and the drought's over and then he gets in a fist fight and kills a bunch of dudes. It's awesome. They don't tell you about that in Sunday school, but it was a battle royale. It was like fight club, but the first rule of fight club is there is no fight club. And they go to town and now he's, he's leaving and, he, and he's going to go find his guy that's going to take his place, okay? So, Eli, so Elijah went and found Elisha. He was the son of Shaphat plowing a field. Some of you guys don't get this, you don't get this um, agriculture reference, but he's out there and he's working. And he had some oxen, and there was 12 groups of guys that they were putting work in. Like, so everyone's out there, Elisha, 11 other dudes, and they're plowing, and Elisha's plowing, and they're plowing, the next guy's plowing. They're, they're doing work. They're coming to Hope Church, they're serving, they're giving, they're, they're in community groups. Like, they're just doing what they're supposed to do. They're doing what God graced them to do. They're putting that work in. The Bible says Elijah went over to him, over to Elisha, and he threw his, his cloak over him across his shoulders, and he walked away, and Elisha's like, let's go. The Bible says Elisha left the oxen standing there, and he ran after Elijah, and he said to Elijah, let me go and kiss my father and my mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Elisha knew what just happened. Now, you don't know what just happened because you went around back then, and you don't study this, this tradition. When it was time to put that work in, when it was time for a young man to come be a follower or for him to get his calling, he, the man of God would go up to him and say, hey, here's your cloak, tag, you're it. Now, mind you, there's 11 other guys there that did not get picked, but Elijah got picked. Elijah was an obedient, Elisha was an obedient young man, a faithful man. He was plugged in. He was faithful. He had his, he had his hands in and he had his feet down. He had his heart. Everything was just aligned with God. And when your heart is aligned with God, God can use you. When your mind's aligned with God and your heart's right and your life is right, when your, everything is right, God can use you. So many people, they're trying to figure out why can't God use me. It's maybe because our life's not right. And if your life's not right, God can't do the incredible things in your life. 
can't do, he can't do the things that he, that he really wants to do in your life. He, and here's what I want to say to you today. God wants to do something really incredible in your life. God wants to do something really special, but if you're not aligned with him, he can't do it. I saw this on Facebook this week, but God can't bless who you're pretending to be. Mm. Somebody say that from the back row. Mm. I know that's right. Like, that's tough. God can't bless who you're pretending to be. God can't bless what you won't put in his hands. So Elijah, says, Elijah goes back. Elijah replies, go on back, but think about what I've done to you. Don't forget, like, if you're going to go in, just remember, this is going to be a long match. You're going to have to put some work in. You guys have heard me say this before. It takes 15 years for an overnight success. I mean, he's going to have to put some work in. Some of you guys, here's a message for some of you guys. Some of you guys, yeah, you're tired of doing what's right. Keep on going. Keep on going. You know what I find a lot of people is they get tired of doing right. Like, yeah, I just, God hasn't showed up yet. I'm out of here. I didn't get what I was coming to look for, so I'm out of here. I see it all the time. I see it every single day. I told people all the time, I, I told this thing, like, man, every single day I get a 911 call from someone in our church. Please help me. It's because we quit doing the right thing. When we quit doing the right thing, then the wrong things happen, and we're trying to figure out why the right things aren't happening because we're doing the wrong thing. That's silly, right? I have two cars. They're both, they're both Dodge vehicles or um, One's a Chrysler and one's a Dodge, which they're in the same family. And sometimes I'll grab the wrong keys and I'll go jump in my truck and I'll put my, my, my wife's minivan keys in the ignition and it won't turn on. I can't wonder why this vehicle won't work right. I got the wrong keys. Some of you guys in here tell you want God to do something incredible in your life, but you got the wrong keys. You're doing the wrong things. You're not in the right places. You're not planted in a house. You, you, it's, it's just, it's hit or miss. God can't do the incredible work that he wants to do in your life. And what happens is like, God doesn't do the incredible thing in your life and we're like, oh, I don't know if he's going to show up. I want to let you know he's about to show up. He's going to do something in your life that you can't imagine or think about. Ephesians tells he wants to do the immeasurably more in your life. Hang in there. The Bible says don't go weary in well-doing. Keep on doing the right thing. I don't know who that's for today, but that's for somebody. Verse 21 says, Elisha returned to the oxen. He slaughtered those jokers. He used the wood from the, from, from the um, plow to build a fire. He roasted their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. And then he went with Elijah and his assistant. I mean, this guy, he went all in with Jesus. I want to encourage you. I told, I'm in a group, I'm in a group uh, with a bunch of young people, and they're all 29 or 30, which that's young. You know, I, I told you in our church, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but if you're older than 30, you're in the old crowd in our church. It's just where we're at. It's just where we're at. It's not a dig. But there's 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds, 70-year-olds in church. But if you're 30 and up, it makes you old. So all you guys that are younger than 30, you're just young whippersnappers. Step your game up. I'm in a group with a bunch of young people, and I told them this week, God told me to tell them, hey, to raise the bar. You need to raise the bar. You want God to do some incredible life? Raise the bar. Like, start living different. Start acting different. Start talking different. Go different places. Do what everybody else is doing. Don't be like, if you want different results, you can't do what everybody else is doing. We got to raise the bar. That day, Elijah's like, yo, I'm, I'm in. He, he, just, he just cashed in everything. Made filet for everybody. Like everybody remembered him. Like, yo, that guy brought the, he brought, he brought some. Chris, you haven't had me on for steak yet. Just thought about that. I mean, he had nice steak prepared. The filet mignon. Like, I mean, it was just the good stuff. <laughs> he had the good stuff. You're like, this guy, we got to give this guy a steakhouse gift card so he can pronounce it right. I mean, this guy, he just traded in everything. I'm going to go all in. When you go all in. Incredible things happen. Elijah know, Elisha knows it. He's like, I'm going all in. I mean, so what Elijah, Elisha does is he follows Elijah around everywhere he goes. He don't want to miss out. And so he goes back, kisses mom and dad, cooks the food, leaves, and he goes and follows Elisha, 
Elijah around. Elisha follows Elijah around. So let's pick up the story, okay? We're going we're gonna to fast forward a little bit. We're getting through some scripture today. First Kings chapter, or Second Kings uh, chapter 2, the Bible says, When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. Now here's what you need to know that you may or may not agree with. Elijah never died on earth. God just took him up. You don't have to believe that because that's because you have a natural mind. And we have a natural mind. But I, but I know a God who is supernatural. He takes your natural and puts his super and it becomes supernatural. I believe that God took him up. He never, ever died. That's the kind of God. And the results in my life would show me that I believe in a supernatural God. I don't know what you believe, but I know what I believe. And if you want God to do something supernatural in your life, then you have to believe that he's a supernatural God. So he takes him up. Two men have ever lived on this earth that never died, that went straight to heaven. And Elijah is one of those people. Now, Elisha's there, and he's hanging out with Elijah, going everywhere he went. He's traveling with him. He's carrying his bags. He's planted in. I mean, he's doing, he's faithful. He's committed. All the things. I tell my young men all the time, like, if you want God to bless you in this church, be faithful here. The guys that we, you see leading our church, they come to set up. They come be at set up. Be faithful. Show up when you say you're going to show up. Be faithful. Girls, you want a guy who's faithful? Come to Saturday night and set up. You can find a good guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, you want to find someone who's faithful. Look for a guy, when we go to pick these chairs up in 20 minutes, look for a guy who's carrying two chairs or three chairs or four chairs. That's a good dude. You know what I'm saying? An overachiever. Like, find yourself. Don't look for sexy Steve. Look for steady Eddie. You know, like, that's Elijah. <laughs> steady, steady Elisha. Just faithful, 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 faithful. You're like, what verse is that in? It's in there. <laughs> Elijah says to Elisha, Elisha, I want you to stay right here. God told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and yourself live, I'm not leaving you. Like, I'm not missing out on the blessing. I'm not missing out on the blessing. So they went down to Bethel together. Verse 3. The group of prophets from Bethel, they came to Elisha and they asked him, hey, did you know that your, your boy Elijah is about to be taken up into heaven? And he goes, of course I know. He goes, but don't tell anybody. Like, keep it quiet. Verse 4. By the way, there's a message in here. It just popped in my heart. Some of you guys here, you want God to do something in your life. Man, you just need to have a conversation with God. Like Elijah, Elisha was talking with God on the regular. And God was saying, hey, you, he already knew this. Everyone's like, hey, do you know God's going to take Elisha up? You know God's going to take Elijah up? You know God's going to take Elijah up? Elijah's like, yeah, I already know. I'm intimate with my father. We got to be more intimate with our father. The more intimate we are with our father, the more we can hear from him. Here's what I've learned this week. If you're far away from God, you start hearing things. I've heard some things before when I was far away from God. If you're close to God, you hear that still small voice that you want to tell my young people, my, my, my young friends, my 29, 30-year-old friends. I'm like, hey, listen, God wants to use you in an incredible way. But if you, start, if you start hearing incorrectly, you start doing things you shouldn't do. God wants to, God had such an, Elisha had such an intimacy with God that he could hear him very clearly. He goes, of course I know Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Verse 4, then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied, yo, I'm going with you. Verse 5, the group of prophets from Jericho, they came up to Elisha and he goes, hey, do you know that God's about to leave? Of course I know, Elisha said, but be quiet about it. Verse 6, the Holy Spirit's coming. <laughs> there is a story in, Colos in, in Chronicles where, the Holy, where the, the Holy Spirit showed up and this smoke just came up. I like to think we're in one of those moments right now. <laughs> you got two options when you have ADHD. You just ignore it or you address it. It was just better to address it. 
but I've still managed not to look back yet. You know what I'm saying? I'm totally like, I'm managing this, I'm managing this disease. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Verse 6, Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord's told me to go to Jordan River, but Elijah goes, no, I'm going with you. Verse 7, 50 men from the group of prophets also went and they watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. But Elijah folded his cloak together and he struck the water with it and the river divided and the two of them went across on dry ground. You know what Elisha knew? He wasn't going to miss what God had for him in his life. I'm not leaving. Elisha took that jacket off, tapped out water, bam. Water parted. They walked across. Elisha never forgot that. And the reason why God needed to show Elisha that, because Elisha was going to be in some moments just like you were in some moments where you were going to forget the faithfulness of God. And we're good at forgetting, aren't we? I am. I started talking, start talking to myself about the offering. You're going to get up there. You're going to tell them God's going to do incredible things and God's going to do incredible things. And I begin to shy away from what God told me. You know what happens? God does something big and we forget what he did. That was last year. The numbers don't lie. Every year of our church, the revenue's gone up. And every year we bring in more dollars, the more we can give away. Like, it makes sense. People, like, listen, we're spending five bucks on Starbucks. And $5 in Nairobi, Kenya can feed a family of five. So let's not get it twisted. Like, we're not, we're, we're changing the world. Elisha's like, oh, I wanna, I'm going with you. I'm not missing this. What I want to encourage you today is don't miss what God has for you. Don't miss. Like, God wants to do something incredible in your life. You're going to miss that? Why would you want to miss that? I mean, so many people, they're just missing it. They're just missing it. Like, it's right in front of them, but they're missing it. It's right in front of you. You're missing it. Elijah's like, I'm not going to miss it. I'm not going to miss it. I'm going to stay with you forever, forever and ever. Look at this. This is one of my favorite verses of this story. Verse 9, when they came to the other side, a lot of things can happen on the other side, by the way. Just hang in there. When they came to the other side, Elisha said to Elisha, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you, bro, because you ain't leaving me. <laughs> what do you want? What do you want? And Elijah wants the same thing that I want. Elisha wanted the same thing that, that you and I want. He goes, hey, if it's possible, I'd love a double portion. I'd love a double portion. I don't know about you in your day, but I don't want a single portion. I'm good for a double portion. I couldn't sleep this week. I was telling my barber last week. I was like, hey, man, I can't really sleep. He goes, you know what you ought to do? I said, what do you think I should do? He goes, um, well, you first said you ought to, I had to quit drinking so much coffee. And I was like, I'm not willing to do that. Why would I do that? That sounds stupid, you know? No, I'm just kidding. I did. I cut back my coffee intake. That really helped. That really helped. And, um, and God started, so I started sleeping. Two, instead of waking up at 3 a.m., now I'm waking up at 5 a.m. My barber said to me, when you wake up at 5 a.m., you ought to pray. And I was like, that sounds dumb. Like, I, like, a lot of cool things happen on Facebook and Instagram at 5 a.m. You know what I'm saying? Like, why wouldn't I do that? So he told me, I was listening to another podcast, and, the, and the guy, one of the guys I follow, he says, hey, why don't, instead of, why, don't you, why don't you go to your knees before you go digital in the morning? And I was like, dang it. There's a theme, because I'm, I'm hearing God's voice. And everything he's saying, it's consistent. God's voice is always consistent. If it's not consistent in your life, then it's not God's voice. That's, that's indigestion. So it's the, it's the voice of God. It's the voice of God. You say, hey, you ought to. So at 5 a.m., I've been waking up every single morning, and I find myself in a position where I'm on my bed, and I'm on my back, and I open up my hands, and I, and I pray, and I open up my hands, and I pray. You know what I've been praying all week long? I've been praying that I could bless somebody. 
man, that'd be awesome if I could bless somebody. That's all I'm praying. And it's so weird because like, why wouldn't you like, I, because a lot of my life, God, would you bless our church? God, would you bless me? If you bless me, I'll do this. If you bless me, I'll do this. And I realized this week that I've already had the blessing. And so I'm, my twins are in here today. I'm going to invite them to come up to help me illustrate this a little bit further. But I realize in this church in here today, and you guys, you don't want a, you don't want a single blessing. You want a double blessing. Like nobody wants, I've never met anybody who wants a single blessing. If God has the capability to give you a double blessing, you want a blessing. What is I realize? You've already been blessed. I meet so many people. Thank you, Portia. Let's put our hands together for Portia. Come on. Portia helps us with all of our events, does an incredible job. She's been here for a little over a year and a half, and she's planted in our house. If you want to, and God's blessing her and her husband, that God's done an incredible thing in their life. If you want to be blessed, you've got to plant your feet in the house. Quit church hopping. Quit church shopping. God can't do nothing with that because you don't stay long enough to get the blessing. Be like, dang, he's preaching today. Hey, plug in here. Hey, here's a, here's, a, here's a deal. You'll get more from us than we'll get from you. You'll get more from God than you'll get giving to him. It stinks. We go to this place like Cuba and Africa and all these things. Like, we're going to help them. We're going to help them. We're going to help them. And we leave more blessed than we did blessing them. Go help somebody. The Bible's pretty clear. It's better to give than it is to receive. I like receiving. I love receiving. But giving is so much better. When I gave away our first car, I, I've been giving away, I've been given two cars. That's awesome. But it's so much better to give. I love giving. My wife told me today, by the way, by the way, car prices are going up so much. She's like, hey, I saw this Tahoe. I want it. Go by and take a look at it. So I roll in, I see the first number is 2060. I'm like, oh, it's gonna be cheap then. It's three years old, 45,000 miles. That's low mileage. Did you know that you can get a Tahoe with three years old with only 45,000 miles on it for only $45,000? <laughs> I said, babe, we could buy like, like we could buy a house with $45,000. Like, Anyways, that ain't going to be there unless that's what God wants to give us, but I don't think that's what he wants for us. And it's too small. We got like six, we got four kids and we're taking all these kids that don't even belong to us. But hey, I want to illustrate the double blessing. I want to illustrate the double blessing. Why don't you go and sit there, Judah? <clears throat> that's boring. This is boring. I want to I illustrate this really well for you. Like I've been, I bought this a while ago. It's been in my box next to my house. But then this week I opened it up and I put it next to my bed. And these guys are like, dude, are you gonna let us play on this thing or not? I'm like, no, that's for Jesus. You don't deserve it, you know? <laughs> I didn't say that. I was like, sure, you can play on it, but don't break it, you know? These kids are savages. They'll break some stuff. Well, this, is, this represents the blessing. That's what this represents. You've already been blessed. Everyone's like, oh, God bless me, God bless me, God bless me, God bless me. You have salvation, you've already been blessed. You live in this country, that's another blessing. You have clean water, you've already been blessed. You already have, if you get to pay rent or live in our house, then you get to, then you're blessed. If you have public transportation, you're blessed. Whether you pay for it, whether you Uber it, whatever, you're blessed. You're more blessed than over half the world. This is a blessing. But here's what I know that you need to know is that there's a position, there's a position that you need to take for blessing. And it's obedience. You have to take that step. That's, that's obedience. This is just being obedient. God wants to give me his life. That's awesome. I'll take it. 
I'll just, I'll just take it. I'll just take the blessing. God, I thank you for salvation. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for being good. You're blessed. But there isn't just a position that you have to take. There's also a posture that you have to take. And the posture you have to take is open up your hands and open up your hearts. Here's what you need to know. The Bible is, God is more consumed with the inside than he is on the outside. And your giving is attached to your heart. It's not about your wallet. Diana's dad used to always say this, always says, it's not about equal sacrifice. It's not about equal gifts. It's about equal sacrifice. So, this is boring. He's, and they're like, dude, are you going to let me ride this thing or not? Even let me, let me ride this thing. Let's say hop on this thing. And this is what double, this is blessing, boring. Like, it's cool, you get salvation. Like, that's awesome, it's awesome. This, this like, salvation's awesome. But, like, cut that out of the podcast. I'm not saying Jesus is boring. I'm just saying, but being blessed is cool. But when you're double blessed, it's so much funner. You guys take this thing for a spin. This is what double blessing looks like. This is so much fun. Aren't they so much? Trip's like, Judah's like, dude, this is boring. I'm just sitting here. A double blessing happens when you get to be obedient and you allow God to use you and God begins to bless you and you begin to serve and you begin to give and you begin to do all the things and God blesses you. Do you want to have this or do you want to have this right here? This isn't going to, you can stay here, baby. This isn't going to work. Nobody wants this. Nobody wants this. You want the full blessing. You want double blessing. Go ahead, say, ride that thing. You're like, this is double blessing. They can't wait to take this home. By the way, they're like, yo, are we getting this back? Are you going to let this come back home or not? Like, they, this is what double blessing looks like. Come on, put your hands together for these two cute little kids. Hey, church, God wants to bless you. So here's what you need to know. Don't let what you cannot do keep you from doing what you can do. Yesterday, um, Justin and Rob brought their boats out just to serve our, just to serve our church. Such a, such a time-consuming, cost gas, cost all the things. Rob woke up early that morning from a different city and drove down and just to come, and, just to come bless our people. The lady that took care of the meal for us, Terrell she goes to our, our church, Terrell Creation, as you can find on Instagram. She just, I just wanna, just wanna give this to the church. They got the double blessing, they begin to. So Thursday I woke up and man, I had a day. It's praying, praying, praying. And God allowed me to bless some people. I blessed a young, I blessed a, a young couple this week. He, he just blessed them, just spending time with them. All it cost me was time. You know what happened this week? He came to church for the first time. His fiance has been coming. She's, she's been coming for around a little less than a year. And he showed up today. You want to know why? Because I began to give my time. I left my family at 7.30 at night to go pour into this couple, into their relationship, into their marriage. That's where the double blessing comes. When you begin, you already have all that you need. Whenever you transfer what you have into God's hands, that's when the double blessing comes. Well, I don't have a lot. You have more than you think you do. Give your time. Start giving your talent. Give your treasure. When I woke up, when I, when I got the email back from the CPA that we gave away 20% of what came in last year, I was shocked. I was also thankful. What I want to encourage you this season right now is everything I've ever given away, I've never thought to myself, oh my gosh, I wish God would give it back to me. But you know, what I've ever, you know what's always happened to me every time I've given away? It's always came back to me. It's always came back to me a lot more. 
talking with Derek the other week, and your generosity, it can start small. He said to me, but small things always become big things. Small things always become big things. Do you want a double blessing today? God wants, God wants to give it to you. He tells you not to be a cheerful giver. You want to know who modeled cheerful giving? Jesus. You want to know where he modeled it at? On the cross. Jesus is way more generous to you than you can even imagine. Hey, church, let's get the double blessing. Let's not leave, let's not leave anything on the table. Let's not leave what we could have had when God had more for us. This Thursday, you'll, you'll have a meal. And for a long time, the, the, the pilgrims and, and the Indians, they, they were just, it was tight. The, 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 the people that came over from England, they thought they were going to land in Virginia. But instead, they landed in Cape Cod in December. December. And they had to ration the food out to five pieces of corn kernels. That's all they could have. And then Thanksgiving, when they had that first Thanksgiving, it turned, God wants to double bless you. There it is. Come on. He's ready. God was ready to bless somebody. Like, hop on. Five kernels of corn. Five kernels of kern, corn. And when they had that Thanksgiving day, it was a four-day feast. Sports and games and physical activity. And then they ate like kings. They were faithful. A hundred people got in a boat in England the size of a volleyball court. A hundred people. And they made it to this new land. And only one person died. It was one of the guys that, that was on the ship. That, that was the, the, the crew. God protected a hundred people in the size of a, a boat, the size of a volleyball court. 66 days in the ocean. They were faithful. They were going to go set an example. They were going to go be obedient. They built, that, they built that colony when they got there on the word of God. And God did something in their life. He took them from a famine to a feast. I know you want that today.